over the whole theme in the Bible. Um, I've looked at books before, and I'm usually guilty of not really doing a preach, more of a teach. So what I'm going to do is a two-part thing today. There's going to be a teach with a little bit of a preach, um, and you can decide which part you like most. What I'm toying with next time I teach, I might just like teach a normal lesson, like in school. Have you sat in little tables, pen, paper? But you have got substitute teachers today, clearly. And um, did anyone ever have substitute teachers, supply teachers at school, get excited for them, going to wind them up, tell them that the lesson finishes half an hour early? That may be true today. Um, anyway, I'm going to look at the book of Proverbs. Now, the book of Proverbs is one of my favourite books. Um, I've been reading it through recently, and oh, we're not going to try to draw. And I'm going to try and answer three questions today. One, what's it about? Two, where is it in scripture? And three, what is it to you? What does it mean to us? And so I'm going to be looking at one proverb in particular. So what's it about? It's about wisdom. The book of Proverbs is a book all about wisdom, how to get wisdom, where can wisdom be found, what does godly wisdom look like? Where is it in scripture? Around about the middle. It's part of the poetry books, uh, but more specifically, it's part of the three wisdom books. Now, I came across the book of Proverbs when I was 15 years old. I became a believer when I was 15. I was living a life that wasn't particularly great. And I turned to God. I said, Lord Jesus, if you're real, I, I want to see. I, I'll, I'll do my bit, you know, turn up, please. And he really did in my life. And I remember asking my granddad, I said, I'm going to try and read the Bible. What should I read? And he said, oh, you can read the book of, of Matthew, which I did. I quite liked that. Learned who this Jesus was. And then the next book he recommended was a book of Proverbs, which really, looking back, was quite strange. But it really spoke to me in the way I needed it to. Now, I was half hoping the young people wouldn't be here to hear this story, so I'm going to try and make it PG friendly. Um, but when we were young, there's, um, my teenage years, there's a huge, like, drinking culture and as part of that like I thought I was chief and it kind of was part of how I communicated how I interacted socially and when I became a believer I was like okay God I want to live the life that you want me to live so I'm gonna I'm gonna not do that but yet I'm gonna go to the very same places and try and be the same person yet not consume that elixir um, and so I, I did, I went out and I was almost, I think I was quite smug as a, as a young believer, like, you know, I've got God now, I don't need that, you know, no thank you. And we was all in this, um, in this like, snooker club in Old Hill, and the police were kind of like cutting on to what people were doing, where young people would go, and there was like 40 of us underage in this bar, everyone drinking, and I was sat at the bar thinking, I'm so holy, I'm so good. <laughs> I'm so good. All I've had today is a pack of like Vimto sweets, but I'm holy. I'm righteous. Let me tell you, brethren, how good I am. Um, and the police came up. It was an upstairs place. The police came up, you know, and they had like this not a riot van because they weren't all guarded up, but they had a van outside. Many police officers came and swamped this place, and everyone was ducking and diving. Everyone was hiding there. Honestly, I, I can't imagine what the place stank like, but 40 young people all hid their drinks. And yet, I was sat at a bar testifying. The bar staff put an alcoholic beverage in front of me, and I'd had nothing. And it wasn't just an alcoholic beverage. Remember what I was eating that day? It was a cider and blackcurrant. 
And the police came in, right? Bear in mind, there was 40 young people, not appropriately aged to be in this establishment, and they thought, that's it, we found him. One person they took out of there, and that was me. <laughs> One person, and I was holy. And everyone else had a good night. They took me outside, sat me in the van, gave me a strong talking to all that, sent me on my way home, and I went home. I was like, I was so upset, because um, I was trying to do it right. The amount of times I hadn't been caught doing stuff, and the one time I was trying to not get, do stuff, I got caught. I was like, God, this is, this is unfair. And I, I turned to the book of Proverbs. I was reading through the book of Proverbs, and I read chapter 23. If you want to turn to it, you can. Um, it's not going to be a huge reading. Oh, it's going to be a problem if I'm preaching on the book of Proverbs and I can't find it. Oh, my. There we are. It's a smaller book. Proverbs 20, uh, chapter 23. Um, verse 19. 23, verse 19. It says, listen, my son, and be wise. Now, my granddad was a father figure to me as well, so it's almost like he was speaking. And keep your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. And then it goes on to, um, to verse 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Now that was an apt description. Not of that night, but prior nights. Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine, do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights and your mind imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of a rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I, did not, but I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I can have another drink? And that proverb, an extended proverb, really impacted me. Now, I'm not here to, to say alcohol is evil. I'm not here to even say there's a, there's a church party line uh, on alcohol. But in that moment, God really spoke to me. I thought, okay, I'm a changed man. <laughs> I will not go out and tarry over wine in those taverns anymore. Um, and it really changed kind of how, like my trajectory, I believe, reading that proverb, that saying of a wise. Um, I can't say I was perfect from that moment onwards, um, but in terms of the course I was taking, I think it changed. And I really felt God speak to me through that proverb. So this is the kind of a setup of a book of Proverbs. So, you know, what's it about wisdom? Where is it found in scripture? It's part of a wisdom books of scripture. There's three wisdom books. There's Job, um, Ecclesiastes, and Proverbs. And Proverbs is separated like this. Chapters one to nine is like the, the extended introduction. There's loads of personification of wisdom. Sometimes there's a, there's a wise woman beckoning, hear my call. Sometimes as like a father figure, you know, as you heard it there, my son. And the, the first few chapters is the call of wisdom saying, come and be wise. Come and, and join this journey of learning. Then chapter 20, 10 to 29 is where we kind of get all the, the proverbs that we might be familiar with. Usually two-liners, we might know them. Um, and they're all in there. Most of them are under the name of Solomon. 
Some of them are under the name of the wise. Um, but all scriptural wisdom is Solomonic in the sense that the whole narrative of the Hebrew Bible is like wisdom, we know wisdom, his name is Solomon. So Solomon was the foundation of Hebrew wisdom and a lot of, a lot of proverbs are given to him. And then chapter 30 to 31 are two people, one called Agur, one pagan king, Lemuel, it seems, and kind of proverbs are given to him. But the, the, the centre, and I'm sure we'd have heard this, but the centre tenant of Proverbs is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What is the book of Proverbs about? Well, it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, fear of God, I'm sure Simon's spoken on this, isn't necessarily thinking, God, ooh, that's scary, like Halloween or something. But fear is reverence and awe. Ever scared of the headmaster as a kid? or scared of a parent, or, or, or fearful of like a great storm or something. The, the fear of the Lord is about an appropriate reverence to his greatness. It's not necessarily about being scared of God. However, um, it does mean acting appropriately unto him. So the fear of the Lord. So as I said, it is, the book of Proverbs is within the wisdom tradition. Most of the Proverbs would have been an oral tradition. So the book of Proverbs would have existed long before it was written. And people would have said these Proverbs to each other. And a proverb, actually, the Hebrew word is Michelle or Marshall. I don't know how to say it because I'm not Hebrew. Michelle. We'll call it Michelle for now. And, and the word Michelle means rule. So it's a rule. So, for example, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom. That is a rule now. Every rule has its exceptions. The book of Proverbs, this is something that the Bible project says, is about probabilities, not promises. Throughout scripture, there will be promises of God, absolute affirmations of who God is, and no matter what, this is true. That's not true of the Proverbs. The Proverbs are about probabilities of how to navigate and live a wise life. So for example, there's one proverb that says, do not answer a fool according to their folly. There's another proverb that says, answer a fool according to their folly. I'm not trying to say that proverbs are contradictory. What I'm trying to say is that they are general rules for how to live life. They're not promises that you can necessarily bank with God and say, well, your scripture says this, so therefore I expect. They're probabilities, they're ways to live. Now, there's exceptions to all these. So, for example, a big theme of a book of proverbs is if you want a good life, be a righteous person. Now, Job and Ecclesiastes are clear exceptions to those Michelles, to those rules in life. So that's a bit about the book of Proverbs. My question to you is what is your favorite proverb? It doesn't have to be a biblical one. It can be a saying. So for example, as thick as thieves, have you heard that before? My mother-in-law loves saying that one. You two, she says to me and Natalie, you two as thick as thieves. She's not calling us dumb. Um, means that we're, we're close together. You two are like, you know, you're, you're thick. I, I have to be careful as a teacher because sometimes I want to say to some kids, you two are as thick as thieves and they'll think I'm calling them dumb, therefore making the proverb that they think correct. So I've got to be careful with that one. Um, can anyone guess what this proverb is here? Very good. So I want you to discuss in your class and your peers amongst yourselves what are your favorite proverbs biblical or non-biblical ones sayings phrases little snippets of wisdom go
I want to hear some as well. So. Come on, Dave, you must have some wise quips. Sorry? You must have some wise quips. <laughs> Anyone got some they want to share? Anyone? Yes? Brilliant. Kill two birds with one stone. That's a good one. Any other proverbs, wise sayings, phrases? Yes, Sharon? Hear all, see all, and say nothing. Very good. Do you follow that one? Very good. Any other wise sayings we're familiar with? Sorry? Pride comes before fall. Yeah? Never judge a book by its cover. It's good. Unless it's a graphic design book, and then absolutely judge it by its cover. Any of us? Yes. Oh, that's very good. Yes. Brilliant. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Any of us? Twenty-two. Very good, very good. So, one of my favourite, and I say this to the kids a lot at school, is to the pure, all things are pure. And that's my escape when I say something that seems like a bit of an innuendo and the kids start giggling. I say to the pure, all things are pure. Therefore, there's the, the reverse. If you're thinking bad things, you're bad in the head. But anyway, <laughs> one of my absolute favourite ones is can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Now that's relating particularly to adultery in the scripture. But I think it's so true of many things. Like, do you really think that you're able to be so close to, to wrongdoing and sin without getting scorched by it, without paying the penalty for it? I love that one. I love that one. So what I'm going to be looking at today, so that's kind of the teaching. Um, the preaching, as it were, is Proverbs 27, verse 5. Better is open rebuke than love concealed. Better is open rebuke than love concealed. Now, there's some Proverbs, quite a few Proverbs, really short ones that are set up like, better is this than this. And kind of the, the whole book of Proverbs is saying, this is God's perspective on what life should be like. This is better than that one. It's what John said earlier in chapter 22. Was it better is a good name than, what was the rest? Well, I forgot it. Sorry, John. But better is this. It might even be here. Better is the one than the other. And now, of course, the world has different views on, on what is better. You know, is it better to have this or is it better to have that? Well, actually, Scripture says certain things are far better than their seemingly better or apparent better reverse. So, better is open rebuke than love concealed. We're going to play a game that I love to play with the kids at school. It's this or that. So, which one is better? We're going to do some votes. Okay, so would you rather have? Would you rather have 
a car or a motorbike? Nice and simple one. Hands up if you'd rather a car. Hands up if you'd rather a motorbike. <laughs> okay. Hmm, let's try it, others. A, sorry, someone? Two cars. Very good. Um, would you rather have McDonald's or Burger King? Hands up for McDonald's? Hands up for Burger King? Neither. Some of you are too wise. Okay. McDonald's or KFC? McDonald's? KFC? Well, then. A vegetarian diet cooked by a Michelin star chef or a meat-filled diet that you make every day? So, a fancy vegetarian diet, hands up for that? Or your standard meat-eating diet? Okay, curious. Would you rather have too many items of clothing which are out of date or a very limited amount, I'm talking like three t-shirts, which are really fashionable and expensive. So hands up for loads of out-of-date clothes. Couldn't tell. Or <laughs> hands up for a limited amount of expensive clothes. That's just you. Though. That's just me. I know, it's not, I've got loads of clothes, too many. Anyone got any others, comparisons, this or that, that they want to share? Okay, would you rather have a house with a house which is too hot or a house which is too cold all the time? Now think about the energy price hike. Hands up for too hot? Hands up for too cold? You can always put on more layers, right? Would you rather have only hot drinks for the rest of your life or only cold drinks for the rest of your life? Hands up for only hot drinks? Hands up for only cold? Okay, we might, if, if I'm really short of time, or if I'm really too short in the time of this sermon, we might return to that game. But anyway, the Bible says that some things are far better than the other, although it may seem that the reverse can be apparent. So, for example, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with many troubles. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with many troubles. More money, more problems, I guess. Better is a dish of vegetables where there is love. Some scriptures, some versions say a dish of herbs. Imagine just eating pure oregano or something. That'd be painful. A dish of vegetables where there is love or a fattened calf with hatred. Better is the dish of vegetables with love. Hence the whole vegetarian diet one. Better is a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Now that's a profound one. Would you rather be part of a country which is poor but righteous or a country with a great income doing horrible deeds? I won't say which one we're part of. Um, better to be of a lowly spirit with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Better to side with the lowly than to be enjoying the riches of the proud. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting and strife. There's some curious ones. There's some ones about like a nagging wife in there as well, but I left them out. But she's not even here, so I should have just gone for it. Um, but these better is than the other are about the kingdom values of scripture. Better this. Than the other. And we're returning to better is open rebuke 
than love concealed. Now, open rebuke. Rebuke is a funny word. It means correction or reproof. A bit of a telling off, a bit of a re-guiding, re-stepping on the right path. Love concealed. Concealed meaning hidden, secret, not really shown. So it's better that someone is openly correcting you, therefore showing love, than not showing love whatsoever. Kids, listen up. It's a good one. Who, so when was the last time, who, who was the last person that told you off? Have a think. Who last told you off? Who last corrected you? Who last said you can't park there? Anyone want to shout them out? Anyone still getting told off by their parents? Yes. Who? A ceiling? Anyone? Who's the last person who told you off? Wife. Sorry? Your granddaughter. Wow. Have you ever appreciated being told off? Ever looked back and thought, you know what, I appreciate that? Sam's saying no. <laughs> no. It's curious. We um, recently, in my school, we recently had someone come in to uh, like, inspect the art department, make sure we're all doing our job. And I'm like, I've got two weeks left. I, I really don't care what you say. Um, but they gave us some feedback, and I actually appreciated it. We won't get put into practice, but I appreciated it. Um, on the other hand, have you ever not known where you stand with someone? Ever regretted not being real or telling someone how you feel? Now, the book of Proverbs is three, four thousand years old. And yet, these questions are so pertinent to today. Now, I'm going to turn to Hebrews 12, verse 3 to 7. Now, the Hebrews and James as well, they're the most similar New Testament books of the book of Proverbs. Um, the book of James in particular is like the New Testament Proverbs um, it's a book that I love dearly as well. But I'm going to go to Hebrews 12, verse 3 to 7. Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 3 to 7. It says... Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those who he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? Now, I know that not all of us have experienced positive father figures, but the general idea of a father, the general idea in scripture is, is a reprover, but someone who loves and cares and guides. My dad used to have a phrase and it was always Measure twice, cut once. I just guess and guess again, really. Uh, I shouldn't do as a wood tech teacher. Um, but God disciplines those who he loves. Now, 
I'm going to look at this open rebuke and look and see as a two-part now. One, it relates to God. Two, it relates to our relationships with each other. And I will say as a disclaimer, I'm not saying, like if you get from this sermon, go out and just tell everyone off. That's really not what I'm saying. Um, but rather engage in loving, accountable relationships with God and with others. So God, a few things I think we need to acknowledge about God when looking at this scripture. One is that God is truth. God is true. Everything that God says is true. Everything that God does is true. And if it's not true, it's not of God. So if, God ever, if we ever feel that God is correcting us, reproving us, rebuking us, one, it's true. I've told off so many kids and found out it wasn't true. Like, how dare you do that? And it wasn't that kid in the end. God won't do that. God knows. God is truth. He corrects whom he loves. And we hear as well in scripture that his nature is love. I'm sure some of us have been told off, rebuked by a person, and we know there was no love intended whatsoever in there. Whereas God, the intention, the outcome, the purpose, the goal is always love. He is love and he cannot deny himself. And the thing is, as I said, nothing is hidden from him. Nothing whatsoever. God won't tell you off for something you didn't do. God won't correct you for something which isn't true because nothing is hidden from him. And when God corrects us, the goal is always to transform us into the likeness of his son. If you feel in your, in your conscience, in your spirit, you're reading and you know that God is pressing upon you, this is not right in your life. There's a purpose. God's not a, a, a picky father or head teacher who's just trying to you know, correct you and say, oh, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. You've met those people, haven't you, right? But actually, God is there to transform us into the likeness of his son. I'm actually going to read from 2 Corinthians 3 to 8, uh, 3.18. It says, And we who with unveiled faces, and and we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, that word, the, um, the transforming, is literally in Greek, is metamorphosis. God is, is changing us from our humble selves into beautiful reflections of who Christ is. And that, of course, needs correction. It, God, once upon a time, God corrected me. Every day, I'm sure, there's correction needed in my life. Every time, perhaps, you, you act out in a certain way at work and you reflect and you think, like, Lord, that's, that's not of you. That's part of the Spirit transforming us into his likeness. And now Jesus, he rebuked a lot. That Jesus rebukes, he rebukes the wind and the waves. He rebukes his disciples. He rebukes others. There's uh, one person who came to him and said, Lord, if you are able, would you heal my son? And Jesus says, he says, if you are able, if you can. He says, if you can. I'd love to see that interaction. Someone goes to Jesus, like, if you're able to, would you be able to? If you can. Jesus knew his power. Jesus knew what he was able to do. And he corrected, he rebuked, he said, all things are possible to the one who believes. Rebuke is not something that we should fear, but it's something that is actually part of who God is as a love, as an action of transformation. Now, 
between others. I'm sure we've heard the phrase in the scripture, speak the truth in love. Church discipline. Jesus tells us that if your brother sins against you, if someone in the church upsets you, not like sits in your space or parks in your spa, if someone does something which is actually like, like a, an, an action of a wrongdoing against you, Jesus tells us to, to correct people. Now that's wild, isn't it? Afterwards, is there going to be like a whole mad thing where people just start telling each other, you've done this wrong, you've done that wrong. But actually, when, when, when we have wrong, when we have been wrong, Jesus tells us to actually speak to that person. Paul, in the New Testament, Paul rebukes Peter at Antioch. Do you remember the story? Paul was there giving the gospel out for free, saying, guys, you don't need to become Jewish to believe in Jesus. You know, Jewish, and, Jewish people and non-Jewish people, they can intermix, they can intermarry as long as you're believers, you know, live your life with each other. That's fine. And Peter acted in the opposite way. And Paul, who's this new disciple, corrects Peter, who's the head of the church. That's wild. And Peter has got only positive things to write about him in his letters. There was a relationship of correction there. Paul also says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And when writing to Timothy, Paul says, to rebuke, reprove and exhort with complete patience. Perhaps there's a brother or sister that you see and they're not really walking the path or, or they're not you know, acting in a manner worthy of, your, of their calling. The response is to be completely patient with them. Completely patient as we walk with our brothers and sisters. But I think the, the key point to rebuke it and correction at, you know, in, con- in contrast to hidden love is that we need to have a full relationship, a loving and trusting relationship of accountability, and that's a whole nother sermon, really, to, to, to how to engage in loving and trusting relationships, which aren't just like bickering and nastiness between believers, but how do we engage with one another in an appropriate way? I don't have the answer for that, not right now. You can ask Simon. Um, well, that's it, really. That's the book of Proverbs. So what's the book of Proverbs about? It's about how to get wisdom. Where is it in scripture? Well, it's in the wisdom scriptures. And what is it to you? loads of things. There are over 375 little proverbs in the middle of a book just by Solomon. So my advice, my encouragement for you today is to pick up the book of Proverbs, read it, and I'm sure that one or two things will stand out to you, that God will speak to you through it, and perhaps he'll even rebuke you, but isn't it so much better than love concealed? Isn't it so much better than not knowing that you know, if God didn't care for your walk, well, I don't think God would care for you at all. So that's it, folks. Finished nice and early, 25 minutes. Is there anything I need to do, Michelle? No, chairs can be left. Chairs can be left. Wonderful. So I'm going to pray and then we'll close. So, Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you are a father to us, that you care for us that you journey with us, that you are transforming us into the likeness of your Son. And we thank you, Lord, for when you do rebuke us, when you reprove us, when you correct us, Lord, for it's far better than love concealed. Help us to not abuse the scriptures or or use any proverbs as a way to get our own way, but help us to, to learn from you, to listen from you, Lord, and become wise. Help us to live with your kingdom values. Help us to know 
what is better, what true goods are better than false goods, Lord, and help us to live as you intend us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.